Part 2, The Messages from the Masters During another hypnosis, Catherine recollected a different past life, where she was Elizabeth, who lived in a county called Brennington. With the author's guidance, Elizabeth also came to the stage of death. She died in peace, surrounded by her family. She floated out of her body after her death. But unlike in the past, she was not confused this time. Instead, she felt a bright light from which she could derive energy. She rested in the in-between state between lifetimes. The author drew from Catherine's experience of several deaths in hypnosis that at the moment of her death, a conscious part of her would leave her body, float, and be sucked into a bright light that instilled energy into her. Then she waited for someone to help her, and her soul automatically ascended to heaven. Several minutes passed in silence. Suddenly she spoke, but not in her usual slow whisper. Her voice was hoarse and loud now, and she spoke without hesitation, our task is to learn, to become godlike through knowledge. We know so little. You are here to be my teacher. I have so much to learn. By knowledge we approach God, and then we can rest. Then we come back to teach and help others. The author argued that this was not her own thought but merely a paraphrase of what had been said to her. Catherine could not only go back to previous lives but could now be used as a kind of channel of knowledge. Who told her to deliver these words? She later pointed out that highly evolved, disembodied souls were the source of these messages and they spoke to the author through Catherine. After this hypnotic treatment, Catherine woke up as usual, remembering details of her past life. But she could not remember anything else that had happened after Elizabeth's death, nor anything that had been said in the in-between state, only the past lives. The author was very curious. So in the next hypnosis, he led Catherine directly into the middle state. This time he was even more shocked by what Catherine had said in the in-between state. Through the disembodied souls, she gave the Hebrew name of the author's father, knowing that the author once had a son who died of a congenital heart defect with a chance of one in ten million. She knew his father's death and the naming of his daughter, and even what the author thought of the medicine. Since then, the author had gradually come to believe in the existence of masters without bodies but with superior wisdom. But he still held a scientist's microscope. After this hypnosis, not only Catherine's condition had improved a lot, but so had the author. In terms of his character, the author became more patient, peaceful, serene, happy, and calm. He felt there would be more hope, more joy, more purpose, and more fulfillment in life. In terms of Ophi's attitude towards death, the author was no longer afraid of death, including his own death or non-existence, and losing others as well, although he would still miss his past relatives. What's your attitude toward death? The fear of death is so powerful that it is evaded everywhere, the midlife crisis, the affair with the young, the plastic surgery, the habit of exercise, the accumulation of wealth, having children to keep your genes alive, the desperate attempts to look young. We are so afraid of our own death that we sometimes forget our real purpose in life. However, when we know about past lives and reincarnation, we may be less afraid of death. So how do people decide if they want to reincarnate or return to the physical state when they are in a coma? Based on the information given by the masters through Catherine in the book, the author concluded that it depends on whether they have unfinished learning. If you feel that there is nothing to learn, you can go straight to the soul state. It also explains why some people choose to come back. And some people have to come back because there is more to learn for them. 
and, of course, all the people who talk about near-death experiences end up back in their physical state. Their stories also have a similar place. When they are around death, they will be away from the body, looking down at others busy with the first aid scene. At last, there is a bright light, or a glistening soul figure, in the distance, sometimes at the end of a tunnel. They would feel no pain. When they know that the physical task is not done and that they must return, they immediately go into their own bodies and regain their sense of pain and other sensations. The author also gave a wonderful example of one of his patients, a successful businessman in South America named Jacob. In 1975, he was in a car accident and passed out. But he remembered coming out of his body and looking down at the scene, the ambulances, the doctors examining his wounds, the crowds growing. He saw a flash of gold in the distance, and as he approached, a monk in a tawny robe. The monk told Jacob that it was not time for him to come, that he must return to his body, and Jacob felt the wisdom and strength of the monk. The monk also described some future events in Jacob's life, which later came true. Jacob was back in his body, lying in the hospital bed, conscious and feeling the pain of his wounds. During the next few sessions of hypnosis, Catherine would often pass on messages from the masters to the author in the in-between state. For example, the masters taught us that we have no right to halt the life of others before they have fulfilled their karma. If we do so, when they die and go to some other space, they will suffer and not be at peace. And when they are reborn, their lives will be very difficult. And people who kill others get what they deserve because they have no right to. Only God can punish people, not us. The world is meant to be a balanced and harmonious place, much like how nature operates. However, humans have not yet fully understood this. We often become obsessed with power, fame, and wealth, driven by ambition, greed, and selfishness. This can lead us to marginalize and trample others, even going so far as to interrupt their lives or engage in wars that cause widespread destruction and devastation. Unfortunately, throughout history, war has been a tragic example of this imbalance and disharmony. When nations or groups of people cannot find a way to resolve their differences peacefully, they turn to war as a means of asserting dominance or securing their interests. In the process, countless lives are lost, communities are destroyed, and relationships are broken. The consequences of war can be far-reaching and long-lasting, affecting not only those who are directly involved, but also future generations. War can leave lasting wounds and scars that take years or even decades to heal. Moreover, the destruction of natural resources and infrastructure during wars can have serious environmental and economic consequences that persist for generations. For example, in one of Catherine's past lives, she was a pilot called Eric, who was 35 years old. At that time, there was a war when the English and the Americans were dropping bombs near Eric. At the end of this lifetime, Eric experienced a painful death. Catherine learned from this life that senseless killing misdirected hate, which was unnecessary at all. Besides, at a time when most of us are counting our losses and rationalizing our actions, we should not expect anything in return. The reward is to do it, to do it selflessly, regardless of the results. The masters also talk about patience. Everything will come when it is supposed to. Life can't be rushed, not on the schedule that many people would like. We must accept the time for everything to come and not force it. But life is endless. We never really die. We are never really born. We just go through different stages. There is no end point. We have many stages in our lives, 
and time is not the time we see but the lessons to be learned. Giving, hope, faith, patience, and love, these inspiring messages greatly influence our attitude towards life and make us realize that love is more important than knowing the foibles and faults of others. Take the author of the book as an example. When he was caught in a traffic jam on his way to a football game with his son, instead of being annoyed, he decided to spend the time chatting with his son in the car. At the same time, we should treat ourselves the same way. We do not have to be so hard on ourselves, and sometimes it doesn't matter that we neglect some of our flaws. In short, things will be clear when they need to be clear, but first, we need to have a chance to digest the information the masters give us. Next, let's come into the following chapter.